0: Well, Joe, again, this is Buck Benny speaking. I've got Jim and Bob with me. We're here to talk about episode seven of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, Episode seven is called uh, Serene Squall. Am I right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, this episode is one that kind of didn't work for me for a while, but then I started to enjoy it more. And so it kind of went up and down and back and forth and uh i i'll have to say i really did enjoy it it was one of the better episodes of the season just for a, a lot of different reasons and we'll get into it as we go but um bob what did you think overall of the episode
1: i had the same reaction when it started i thought it sucked and then i actually actually i did didn't it. say that exactly <laughs> okay so I, wasn't, I wasn't that into it at the beginning
0: it was in the neighborhood of that. <laughs> i said it more politely it,
1: but it did. Like, so it
0: sucked I, in the beginning, and then got better.
1: At the end, I thought, like you said, it was one of the better episodes. Yeah, I'm not sure why? I mean, there was pieces of it that were. um the, the other crew members for the pirates were a little weird, but other than that, I thought, yeah, I thought it was good.
0: Well, it had this strange dynamic of being like partial comedy or lighter feeling and then partial heavier it was like a little bit of everything sort of i haven't seen one like quite like this but that's okay jim what were your thoughts on it
3: yeah i i, I liked it you yeah. know i think it uh, some some of the things were good and some were bad yeah that's my insight
0: okay that's about the same <laughs> as everybody else is saying so yeah um, so just so we're clear everybody we're spoiling the heck out of it because we're just going to talk about the episode and I, I noticed I was thinking uh, lately I was, I was explaining to somebody what we do and I was like well we don't even really summarize the episodes anymore now we just kind of assume everybody's seen it we just go into it we just chat about it um which I think is fine so uh, some of the things that surprised me in this episode, or whatever, was um, I, I liked, I really liked the scene with Spock where he's fighting the people on the bridge and he's doing his multiple neck pinches, and then he almost turned it like Wolverine and he was he looked like he was just ready to really annihilate some people, and then they she got him off the bridge or whatever and they moved on, but I. I thought that was a cool action scene for him and the, the, and I thought the actor did a good job of that, or it was a stunt actor, whatever. I couldn't tell, but it was good. Uh, and then he has another surprising bridge scene later that, uh, more action on the bridge action in a different way. Uh, he, <laughs> and he, 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 got a chance to, uh, really seriously kiss, um, uh, Dr. Chapel and nurse Chapel, and, uh, I thought uh, I thought that was one of the most convincing screen kisses or whatever. I, I mean, they really seem passionate about their kissing on, on both ends. I'm, on his end, and I heard, I thought, I was like, wow, that was an impressive kiss. And, uh, you know, it was something, it was kind of a payoff in some ways of 50 years of those characters never really going to get a chance to do that. And I thought that was interesting, at least. Um, the whole Tupring, I was surprised to see Tee pring on this episode because Bob early on had like looked it up and she was supposedly on two episodes this season, but obviously she was on three. So I
1: mean, Maybe that's just what, what they have listed for yeah. the season. It's, it's not off
0: not. sometimes for sure. In this case, it was off for, for her, but I just thought <laughs> I was I it was. Oh no, it didn't say that. It said it twelve on for like 12 episodes or something. We were assuming it yeah. meant two, but apparently it meant Oh, it was a one and a two. If you add them up, it was three. That's so she was in three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that must have been it. Uh, and the whole—I I, I thought the the act, um, the actor that played the main—I don't know—villain on this, whatever you want to call it, the captain from the other ship, was really interesting. Interesting did a did a fun job with it, and. uh, Uh, if, if you get a chance to, to watch the ready room, um, you know, and usually I throw it on at the end of this, so you can hear the audio for it anyway. It was kind of funny because, uh, halfway through, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm spoiling the ready room, but that's how it goes. (laughs) But halfway through the ready room, uh, the act, actress that plays the, that part comes on and takes over the ready room, uh, and, 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 uh acts like she's taking control of the ready room and, and and wants to show the stuff she wants to show just like she took over the ship sort of thing. And so it's kind of a fun little yeah. ready room twist thing. Um, and she, it was a great job. Anyway, um, oh, and then the, the other thing I was going to point out that I think the guys might have missed, I don't know, because some people missed online because I mentioned, they're like, ah, oh. And I said, uh, in this episode, we got, we got to see Staun for the first time. And so Stahn is the future boyfriend or whatever of Tepring. And so, but he was barely on it. It it just, I saw him in the background. I was like, that looks like Stan. Is that Stahn? And then Tepring like is just has like one line with him, as she's leaving or something. And it's like I don't
3: know. How does he Watch look like playful? I'm gone,
0: Stahn. And so she says his name. So how does
3: he look like Stahn?
0: Uh, because Stahn was on he looked POS. Like Stahn was the, uh, on Amok, uh, Muck Time, whatever you want to call it back. Uh, well, yeah, Unif- I know that,
3: but I mean, this is just some other actor, right? Playing another but they had, his, they had his, hair, his
0: body, he was physically fairly imposing for a Vulcan, just like Stahn was. And, and on top of that, his hair was like, I don't know how to describe it. Stahn had weird sort of more Shownish. plastered on, plasticky looking hair in the Shownish original, hair. and he had that again in this. So, mm. I mean, it was enough. Certainly it was enough to trigger me. So I went. That looks like stone. And, and yeah, it is sure enough was. It, it is sure enough was. So, so uh, they, they lay in some of the groundwork anyway for future things. I didn't know they would do that. Um, and then of course, well, since we're, I'm spoiling everything. I'll just throw out there. And then at the end. Uh, I was, people have been mentioning, oh, they should bring on Cybok. They should bring on Cybok. And I'm like, no, they shouldn't bring on Cybok. Cybok was a bad character in a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek <laughs> 5. But, uh, and then I was thinking about it when they, they show him from the back at the very end of this episode. And I was thinking, actually, that could be kind of fun having Cybok and Spock play off of each other in this series. So, Anyway. No, I
3: think they should have the same actor play Cyborg and just like, you know, his <laughs> hair a different way.
1: And give yeah, a, I don't
3: think so. A mustache <laughs> or something.
1: He's super old now.
3: Yeah.
0: They did play, it was funny though, because you could tell from the back, you could immediately go, oh, that's Cyborg. Just because the hair was the same as Cyborg's sort of hair from the back and things. So,
3: yeah. Anyway. Uh, any I, of I, I figured for, it I, out. You get triggered by hair. That's, I that's do good. get triggered hair, by hair. Hair Hair uh, I certainly like that Pike's hair was a little calmer this episode than it was. Yeah, in well, episode. it wasn't quite. Yeah, as, I, I, I didn't, a even know, didn't even notice it myself during this one. I thought for sure, you know, I would be seeing his hair, but uh, definitely.
1: Or it would just get bigger and bigger every, every week.
0: Yeah. His hair looks better after he's beat up in this episode. So I think he should be beat up in every episode, and then his hair would look fine, I'm sure.
3: <laughs> the beatings will continue until your hair is. Perfect. <laughs> <My> mom's <dead. laughs> uh, and it,
0: Bob, did you did you see the preview I sent out for the next episode? Okay. It's it's in our chat. It it will address Pike's hair quite
3: well. So there you go. Um, <laughs> the barber, right? <laughs> this episode <laughs> is Pike getting a haircut. <laughs> so so in, in this particular episode though, so it's like they're really playing up on on Spock's kind of emotionally wise because it seemed like the you know the the main villain lady the whole time, you know, she's kind of playing off of his emotions as well. Right. And 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 it almost seemed like she was attracted to him or something like that. So it's like Spock was kind of to me, you know, was kind of the the central thing that they were all kind of key. Of course she sure sounded like she was gonna kill him. (laughs) Yeah. At the end, at the, at the, there's
0: like no question to it. You're, he's just going to die.
3: <laughs> Earlier, she seemed like she was kind of, uh, yes, you know, connected to him in, in some way. But like, like she said, she was, you know, just playing off of his emotions. And the whole thing was using his emotions and the emotions of everybody else. So.
0: Well, wasn't it that she was trying to free? They never said who she was trying to free, but she was Cyborg. trying to free yes, Cyborg. Cyborg. Right? And we didn't know that till the very end. But knowing that, now you look through the episode, you go, okay, I can see how, you know, if it's Spock's what, half brother or something? Is
3: yeah. Half yeah. brother. Yeah. Right? The father's, he's, he's, the, right. Cause he's fully the, Vulcan. Yeah. He's the illegitimate son of Sarek. Yes. And Sarek and some Vulcan highness or queen or something. Yeah. Princess, or something that would
0: so you could see how, if she was if she has a relationship with Cybok, who is Spock's half brother, that there's probably things with that she sees from Cybok in Spock
1: as well. So she probably knows a lot about Spock from Cybok.
0: Well, and the fact that Cybok is, I mean, I think that's what's interesting about bringing him in here, really, is nothing to do with the, the movie or anything, but just the fact that you've got. A brother who's fully Vulcan, who rejects the Vulcan way and is embracing a more emotional uh, human way of dealing with things, I guess. And then you've got a half brother that's half, I mean, that's half Vulcan and half human that's embracing the Vulcan way of things in the logical way. So it would make an interesting dynamic between the two characters, I would think. I mean you would think if anything they'd be reversed
1: as to what their personalities are but they're not just reversed. doesn't yeah it just doesn't work in the movies so agree
0: no it doesn't work in the movie at all but but I guess they're looking at it as the characters and the dynamics they can push and they're probably somebody was going hey it doesn't matter that it was a bad movie and it was a bad character it was introduced it's Canon let's do something with it you know so yeah,
3: yeah. well they I mean they have a, it the the benefit of this show for the writers i guess for them is you know they have all of the other star trek canon that has been created from all of the other different series and stuff that's been all the way down the line so they can just pick and choose some small little part that especially if they just want to have some easter egg yes like like to pring's you know new boyfriend or whatever you know they can they can just Pick some little tiny thing and and throw it in there as an Easter egg where you know most people wouldn't even pick it up, but somebody that's very steeped in the entire canon would, right. would catch it. But it's
1: also a constraint to, too because they got to stay with canon.
0: Correct, but Which they uh, the argument in the in the fan forums online would be no they pretty much trash canon left and right um and they don't have to stick with canon apparently because they don't often do that uh i would say to me all they do is they value canon quite a bit canon gives them a lot of like jim was saying a lot of storylines and if the choice is between a good story or keeping canon 100 percent, they're gonna go to the good story which I think is a decent trade-off. I mean, I, you don't want canon to totally hamper your storytelling. On the other hand, you don't want to just come in with a canon and destroy canon. So there you go. Uh,
3: and I still think that Nurse Chapel looks like she has a smaller head on a really long neck.
1: Really? Yeah,
3: Yeah. I'll just keep saying that until that'll be all you can You say. keep saying that. I enjoy her.
1: Oh yeah, he's just trying to. Oh, every, I'm not
3: saying anything bad about it. Well, I guess. There was
1: now he's trying to pollute my mind like he did with Pike's hair. Yeah. Because the last episode, every time he came on screen, all I could think of was that was his hair. <laughs> he was ruined Star Trek for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but in this one, his hair was tamer, so it probably didn't bother you
3: as much. Okay.
0: Didn't bother me at all. So there you go. Uh what else about this episode was good interesting um i don't know
3: well so we we thought that they might be the the tholians last week when coming in because of the web kind of thing but it turns out it's just some other kind of random
1: and and background. i think what, what the point of the trap was when they just got out of it was just to slow them down so yeah that they, that's what i didn't understand either it was yeah. like captain the side but it was somehow i guess supposed to fit into the pirate Were the pirate's supposed to use that and then take the ship or and s- they south. didn't seem like
0: the brightest pirates, so maybe it, it seemed like they put in a lot of work to put in this cage that was easy to get out of. <laughs> so, but maybe they weren't supposed to. The thing is they maybe the pirates didn't have a backup plan. It was sort of like it was supposed to. Be, it was contracting supposedly, so if they didn't get out, they would have had
3: trouble, well, right? It would have destroyed the ship, probably.
0: Yeah, saying, you know- which the pirates didn't want it to do, right? Yeah. So I don't. Yeah.
1: And, so and, they threw that. Maybe they're going to tie that in somewhere else or something. I don't know. It was kind of. Or weird.
0: maybe they would have they would have made them theoretically surrender, not knowing that Pike would probably never surrender. But anyway.
3: Well, but you know, I, I think the the lady she, she said something like, "Oh, that's not from them, or that's not theirs, or, or something like that." So maybe she was being truthful, and that maybe it was something different. Um oh, maybe so it was but, the Tholians. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, why is it in the
1: Why is it in the script? I don't get it.
3: You know, maybe. Well, maybe they'll revisit that some sometime in a later episode or something.
1: It's like somebody they started writing and they rewrote it on the fly or something. I bet we already filmed it. Let's put it in there. It was weird.
3: Yeah, yeah, it just didn't seem to fit. When I mean, there was really, it's like, oh, okay, we'll fire here. Okay, now it's gone. It's like, okay. well, I think
0: I think they liked the whole the visual of it, that they could show this thing that looked a lot like a Tholian web or whatever. But then I think someone came along and said, well, that's great, but I want you to put pirates in this episode. And so they're like, "Uh, all right, i figure out a way to do... That's what it sure felt like. It felt like it was just sort of a bunch of hodgepodge things that they kind of put together and made an enjoyable episode out of this hodgepodge, which I kind of like, and that's why we all felt like, oh, this part sucks. Oh, this is good. Oh, this is not good. Oh, wait, this is good again. And yeah, it sort of had ups and downs to it for sure.
1: When I saw that, kind of reminded me of like maybe, I remember reading that um, they would be rewriting scripts of TOS while they were filming. Right. Like Gene would be like in the room rewriting script and this almost seemed like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that.
1: So, how, how many people are supposed to be on the enterprise?
3: Six. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. 400 or something. No, I don't think it's that many. Well, well, I, okay.
0: I can give us the numbers on this. So, it's, Bob's right, about 400 for the TOS enterprise. Okay. Pike's enterprise from when it, when it was initially, he said he had two hundred. He says the exact amount. Both captains at some point say the exact amount. It's like four hundred and something for TOS, for for Pike's the Cage pilot. He says we have 200. I think he's. I think he says two hundred and seven. I want to say it's in the low two hundreds though. It might be two hundred and eighteen or something,
3: but whatever. Kind of makes you wonder how you can then all of a sudden put four hundred people on it later on with. Uh, with Kirk, I guess you know. Right, uh, I mean a lot more crowded. I guess but, everybody had uh, their own 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 room before, and now they put bunk beds in all the rooms.
0: When or you have it, to assume that one of them, their numbers is wrong. But
3: well, um, and so, so now, how many pirates do we think it were? Uh,
0: six.
1: There <laughs> six.
3: <laughs> you Maybe thirty or forty. Yeah. So so those. <clears throat> So they still had a bunch left on the other ship, mm-hmm. beamed some over to the enterprise. So you know, maybe they beamed 1520 yeah. over to the enterprise. And that 15 or 20 that they beamed to the enterprise was able to take the entire ship from a couple hundred. I see where you're going here.
1: <laughs> I don't see, I don't understand, Jim, where you're going. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess what you'd say is they took over whenever anybody takes over the enterprise, they're always kind of not taking over the whole ship. They're taking over like bridge. the keep areas, the bridge engineering, that sort of thing. What the better written ones will say some they'll have a throwaway line like, oh, they flipped all the bulkheads. So we're most of the ship, most of the crew is trapped below decks or whatever. And so then it's like, okay, well. That explained why they're not having to fight the rest of the crew. Uh because you would assume everybody on the crew would be going, Oh, we've been invaded. Maybe we should run down to engineering and try and get them out of there. And maybe we should run up to the bridge and try and get them off the bridge. And it's like
3: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you would expect, you know, there would be the armed. I mean, you could certainly
0: block off the bridge. It seems that would be fairly easy to do, and hold the bridge crew hostage and say, Hey, you guys can't try anything or else we're going to kill these people. But
4: well, I, I, like
3: how, I i like how they were being uh, boarded at everything else and they tell everybody you know you know prepare to fight or do a whatever whatever it was they said you know so everybody's supposed to be getting weapons and ready to fight and everything else but meanwhile everybody else just kind of sitting there normal on the on the bridge like they're flying you know on a on a nice little journey somewhere and all of a sudden the doors blow open it's like like yeah you know we we don't want to prepare up here or or have anybody you know security (laughs) people come up here or anything like that you know we'll just like sit here and be surprised when they bust the doors down
0: (laughs) yeah there were a few plot holes in this episode
1: (laughs) and the the other one i didn't get is the he mentioned about five times when he was trying to get the other crew to mutiny was that from another episode or something it's like the so and so plan works every time, yeah, and right. even the number one seemed to know what they were talking well, about. I think
0: that was a that was supposed to be a joke. It was that <laughs> this it was it was both an insider joke for Star Trek that they can always talk people into mutinying. It's almost like talking the the you know? computer into blowing up, and then also it was. A play on the fact that these two have been together for a while and she's seen him use this supposedly before. We've never seen him use this before, but uh, it's something that he's done apparently before. So
1: I thought that maybe there's some canon I missed in some episode of some I show. So. Well, the thing I thought
3: was kind of strange too is they figured when they scanned the other ship, they said, oh, there's 30 of these pirates and so they beam over there with, what, five, maybe six people? Yeah. You know, so it's like. It was six. It's always six. That's they, were, they, weren't,
1: they, weren't pri- they didn't know they were pirates, but so that was a rescue mission. Well, no, they
3: knew they were pirates because they said, oh, they put all of the colonists down in the hole. Oh, yeah. the oh, yeah, right. and, yeah. and they got the 30 people scattered at other places around the yep. ship, like they're the pirates or whatever. You know, I'm like. Bring you more people with a whole bunch more people. Why don't you be over there with 20, 30,
1: 100.
3: people, But you know, to, to go over this, like, oh well, us six of us, we can take on these well, was, you know, that was
1: Pike and yeah, number one. Well, I also
0: like Pike's idea. I'll I'll get them to mutiny by making them delicious food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. That whole thing was weird. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs>
3: He's just lucky they had delicious ingredients to be combined in the right way to make delicious right. food.
0: <laughs> that was, it was. I mean, you just this one more than any other episode. You kind of have to just suspend your disbelief and just go with it. And but if you just went with it, I mean, we all enjoyed it. So, yeah. and a number of people online have said it's their favorite episode of all the episodes. It's. I I would is my guess would be when the writers see how well this episode was accepted, I'm sure they're all sitting around going, wow, we thought we were just dodging a bullet there or whatever. It was like, I, I would assume they had, it felt like one of those where, you, where you'd have like 12 writers writing this thing and everybody's writing all different parts of it. And they're just kind of sticking it together and going, I guess this kind of works. And yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, it just seemed like kind of a mess. But th- what saved it was certainly the the acting on the part of the captain of the pirates. Um, she did a you know really nice job and pulled it off. And with and, and playing essentially two characters, right? I mean, she's right. uh, she she becomes a lot darker and and things. Uh, I also kind of like the way that she can be. She's almost like a uh, a meme or whatever. Harry, I, I think of her as like Harry Mudd sort of character that's probably going to come back um, because uh, of course she yeah. escapes and I like how her escape is to me was fairly reminiscent of like Darth Vader getting, going away at the end of the first Star Wars film. So uh, so she can be back. So they, they laid a lot of stuff in here. They laid the things where she could come back. They laid some well, of course Cybox. Or Cybot can be a, a character later on, they laid the foundation for Ston being there. And so they could have Ston and Tipring back with Spock doing something. I don't know.
1: I wonder how that, how does that, I wonder how that goes south. Because in the TOS, that, that relationship is pretty south.
0: Yeah, exactly. So they have to, over the course of this thing, um, it's one of the things in speculation that people are going, well, that's going to be really hard because the a lot of people, they've sort of made T-Pring a very likable character. And so we kind of like Spock and t together. Of course, on the other hand, we kind of like Spock and uh, Chapel together, which is what you want, right? From a triangle, you don't want the triangle to be, too often they make the, tr- the love triangles be where there's one bad person and you want the two good people to get together. But if they all seem to be fairly good people and you're like, well, I kinda like that part of the triangle to work, but I'd like that part to work too. Then then it makes it more interesting as to see where it's gonna go. So yeah. And now it's not a triangle anymore, it's a quadrangle or something because it's got Stone in there somewhere. So I think Spock and Stone are gonna get together at some point. <laughs>
3: I think probably <they>, oh, <laughs> now, but this progressive. Sometimes these shows get. Nice.
0: I mean, we already know that that Chapel has already said that she's attracted to women too. So, so Chapel and T'Pring could get together. Maybe she's just leading on Spock to get to T'Pring. I don't know. What
1: about you no? Know, yeah, number one uh, and long
0: Yeah. Oh, that's definitely something they could eventually do. I don't know. Who knows?
3: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and then there's the then there's what what's what's her name uh, Erica, Kri- yeah, Erica whatever yeah or whatever her name was
0: yeah or Ortega or Ortega yeah yeah um it yeah. looks like I will I will go out on a ledge yet again that I often go on out to and fall off this ledge repeatedly <laughs> uh, it looks like next episode could be another uh erica ortega episode where she's gonna take more of a a a role a lead role um and i based that not on the preview i based it on the fact that she they were announced that she was going to be on the after show uh ready room so i'm like okay that would tell me that she might be featured in the episode more on the other hand it could just be that She's been f- featured all season somewhat. They just, it's her time to just kind of talk on the ready room. It doesn't have anything to do with the episode. I don't know. Um, I will say I'm, I, I will give, I will give a little piece of a spoiler, but it's not much. Just that it looks like it's definitely going to be an Ambanga centered episode next time. So, and he too is on the ready room next time. So, but uh yeah. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah.
0: You guys are in for a big treat, a big surprise. So that's all good.
1: You already seen it?
0: No, I've just seen. I've seen the preview. If you watch the preview, it'll, I mean, Jim's not going to watch the preview because he doesn't want to give it. And and if there's any preview that you skip, this would probably be a good one because uh, I think the surprise that you see in the preview is going to be in the first two or three minutes of the episode anyway. But it's it's a big surprise and it's like well okay well they're going a completely different direction than i
1: expected so
3: um uh, so you're you're saying that pike and Benga they get together
0: i could yeah i'm saying uh, pretty much everyone gets together on that <laughs> yeah,
3: going back to that that tos episode right so pretty soon everybody would be scantily cloud and just wild orgies over the entire show and yeah
0: no, that's the boys, but that's not.
1: Are <laughs> we talking about the one the episode where Susan gets the sword? That one. Yeah. 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 Naked
0: Now. Naked Naked Time. Naked time, sorry. sorry. Fans are gonna get all mad at me for calling it naked now because that's what it was called in uh next gen. The same episode, essentially. So yeah.
3: Now it'll just be called Naked Pike.
0: Naked something naked, naked,
3: naked pike. pike.
0: That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He, That's
3: wrong in so many still, ways.
1: Still, anyway. nobody, will, nobody will look because it will be staring at his hair anyway. So,
3: yeah, <laughs> They'll just be walking around the entire episode completely naked with like really big hair. <laughs> and really hair. Just, yeah. you know, kind of doing this normal stuff, but completely naked and nobody will react to it. And you'll be like, oh, okay.
0: Are you excited <laughs> to see me or is that just your hair? Uh, anyway, on we go. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I, yeah. Uh, any anything else for this episode, or are we pretty much done with the episode? I don't know. Well, I
3: don't. Th- you know, I, I I bet they're since this is episode seven, and they've only got ten. Yes. Um, I can't see them. I don't. I don't think they will be revisiting the Tapring, Cybok that stuff. I don't think they'll be revisiting that this year. You know, I think they'll. They'll have that to to play into next year. You know, there'll be an episode or two that kind of uses them because because I think they've they've spent enough time on the, the Spock to bring relationship. I think this season. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been a pretty you know heavy heavy well, part. It's
0: three epi- It's the only thing that's gone along for like three episodes. Yeah.
1: So they're, they're showing. I just looked at IMDb. Now it's showing she's in nine of ten. So I don't if that's accurate. Well, it's that's not.
3: not she'd have
0: to be in the next three, the next three, plus she'd have to be in a bunch she wasn't in. So like, well, sometimes
1: We might have missed some. Sometimes she's in it for just like a minute.
0: I don't think so. Or I think Spock. she's been in it three wow. times. Maybe, maybe a fourth time with some kind of communication to Spock or something, but that, yeah. yeah.
1: Let's see if they list the episodes she's actually
0: in. IMDb is not impressing me with their to work that they've done. <laughs> I mean, it scaled it down for sure. Uh, I think what they did was they had it at 12, and someone said, No, no, it's three. Oh, minus three. Okay, so nine.
1: And it's like, No, that's still wrong. <laughs> Let's see. So, right here, she says she it says she was in. Oh, they're listing uh season two also. What? So it says episode number two, dot
0: two, two dot three, two dot one, one dot ten, one dot nine. Uh, so she's gonna be three
1: in 3.7, 3.4, dot 4.6. This, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
3: mean, if, if that's the case, they're saying that she's gonna be in the the last two episodes? Need- so
1: she's she's showing, um, they're showing that she's in the Serene Squall, Spock Amok, Strange New Worlds, the first one. So there's four now, and she's listed in two more for this season, nine and ten.
0: How is there four now? You said the first one. The Ellison Spock, cleaned Amuck, And you said, you said this current, the, the Serene Squall, that's three.
1: And she's, she's, you know, she's in Strange New Worlds, which was episode one. Right up the Serene Squall, and then next week's episode is the L- Elysian Kingdom. She's in that.
0: She's in that.
1: That's what there's. That's what IMDb in- is showing. And then she's also in nine and ten, which are unlisted names.
3: Wow. wow. I think they're they're I think they're concentrating too much on that relationship. Mean, yeah. Make the whole season. Yeah,
0: I, I would agree with Jim that it's almost too much now.
5: Yeah. But I would. It, but
0: if they jump ship, it'd be fine. Because the the problem is it starts to kind of negate a little bit of their standalone episode concept. I mean, I mean, granted, they said that character arcs would continue, but this is more than a character arc. This is becoming a separate story arc that they've
3: had well, throughout. Yeah. The and, and it is, really, if you think about any kind of story arc that they've had for the entire season that has been, you know, going for the entire season, really, this is the, the one that there is, you know, it's, it's right. like this relationship. Between- well,
0: there's, there's a second one. There, there's only two that I can think of. This is one. The second one would be the doctor and his daughter. That's been in two episodes and that's also what's going to happen between with his daughter, but that's not nearly as focus. both times. It's been a minor focus of the episode in right. this case. It's been the major focus of the episode once for sure and then two times it's been a fairly large focus of the episode in yeah. the first uh pilot and in, uh, in this one yeah and in this one yeah so i, I would call it not a minor storyline i mean it's definitely at least a b storyline if not more than that yeah so yeah maybe
3: next week they they uh close out that that uh dr right and his daughter thing i mean maybe but
0: but uh it, you know which i'm happy okay it looks like they're going to completely just it looks like going a completely different direction for next episode for that which i'm glad about i don't want every time we have the doctor on to, to have it be about his daughter yeah. and i don't want every time we have a pike episode i don't want it to be about pike dealing with his uh 10 years later is his, his yeah. uh you know that it, that his body's going to have issues um there needs to be more than these characters in that you, you don't want a one beat character and so you got to say okay we're going to go this other direction not even mention that yeah. um i i think i think it's great to build on that every once in a while but you just don't want to do it every time you can't just say oh we're going to have an benga episode it's going to be about him and his daughter And you don't want it to be, oh, we're going to have a Laan episode. It's going to be about her and the Gorn and her her childhood. You know, you got to make them about it. You got to make these people broader than that. So hopefully they will. Um, Also, the question is too: Do you, even though you said you were going to have a season of individual stories, do you make a two-parter at the uh, at the end of the season? Or do you make a cliffhanger leading into the next season? Or I don't know. I bet I do a two-parter. Do you think a two-parter and it's a cliffhanger leading to the next season? Or do a two-parter that ends?
3: I think a two-parter that ends.
0: I would uh, agree. Because I think if you don't do that, you're then sliding over where the audience is gone. oh, well, you said you weren't going to do continuing things and you're continuing to the next season I think if I was going to do that I'd wait and do it like season two to season three have a continuing story or something
3: and and part of the reason why I think that they're they're going to have a two-parter on the end is because if you look at the names of the episodes number nine is something part one and number 10 is something part two so
0: (laughs) but you're cheating I'm going from knowing nothing and figuring this out (laughs) I I was accurate about that I guess so, yes, so,
3: that, so they are having a two part of them. I, I was guessing. I don't know that. I mean, it's it's all
1: about that. to bring in Spock.
3: Uh, <laughs> to bring. You would think, I mean, if she's <laughs> three episodes, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, she, he just talks to her for a second on a view screen or something. But I mean, if they're going full on Spock for the next three episodes,
1: yeah, you know, he goes back, he goes back to the planet in episode nine, back to Vulcan. He has to do the pawn far thing.
0: Yeah. Da,
1: da, da, da. I
0: think episode well, nine and ten are going to be Stannagon Part One and Agon <laughs> Part Two. I think
3: that's. What well, well, the, in in TOS though, Spock is married to Trip, right?
1: Yeah.
3: You know, so they're married. So maybe they're they're going to end the season with them getting married.
0: Are they married? No, I don't think they're married. No, I think they are. are yeah, I think so I thought too. that they were. I thought the ritual was going to be for them to get married.
3: No, I and thought she was, she was like, wanted to she divorced stopped
0: it and her. said, No, she didn't want to get married. And then she had Kirk fight for her. He's like, Why did you have Kirk fight? I don't, this makes no sense. And she's like, Well, if I had you fight Ston and you killed Ston, then I'd be with you, but without Ston. But in, in this case, if Kirk killed you, then I'd be with Ston. And if you killed Kirk and then Got to have me, you'd be away doing your your Star Trek Starfleet stuff, and I'd still have Stahn. So, so he said flawlessly logical or whatever about that.
1: And I now, thought they were married too, but I don't know.
0: That's I thought so they were. I thought they were like betrothed from the time they were oh, little kids or something.
1: Funny.
0: It was like a prearranged marriage thing. I think
1: Jim's going back to check the. T- the yeah, t- it, it, it says
3: that he was never married to her. I guess. See I know, POS, but I, I always thought it was she was married to him, and they were breaking yeah. up. Yeah, well, that's like, why it, I run the I podcast, work and
0: work. you are simply a guest. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it is, I guess. <laughs> uh, I like it. I like. I like Bob's thing. If you just turn a little bit more, Bob, so that you, it's Bob coming between Pike and Kirk. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oops, I lost my phone. That that I still don't get off all that technology and all the droids they have in Discovery. All they can give him is a box
0: with a blinking light. I also don't get if you can have a beep and two beeps, (laughs) all he can say is yes and no, but he's got the same brain he's always had. Couldn't you just with a rudimentary knowledge of? morse code be able to to, to, yeah Yeah. it's like come on man you're not just stuck to if if you can make it do something in two different ways you've got enough to do morse code morse code is only dots and dashes that's it it's only got two things in it right and so anyway that's (laughs) here and there it's just me going man i would be frustrated as pike that they can't anyone figure out Morse code? And now I have to wait until someone asks me, would I like them to do Morse code? <laughs> you know, because, of course, I can't signal anything. But I'd be, I'd be so doing the SOS, SOS or something. And then somebody would go, wait a minute, that's SOS. But <laughs> like,
1: no. no. They just did that in Stranger Things.
0: Oh, did they do that in Stranger Things? Yeah. Oh. See, they take all my ideas. That's why I don't watch Stranger Things. <laughs> you should yeah. all right i should that is, that is true i should um oh, oh oh i know what we didn't do we were gonna do two things uh last thing is uh, f- you think this episode served which character is the best who who got the best pieces not necessarily the best acting in this episode you can turn that out too if you want but but like uh which character did it do the most for
3: Uh I would say Spock and Nurse Chapel,
1: probably. Bob. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out which one of those two. I'm gonna go with Spock, I think. That'd okay. be one. Even though I
0: he... too am cheating and going with Jim's idea because uh I was originally gonna go with that anyway. Spock and
3: nurse <laughs> chapel because it just their relationship piece is yeah. I mean it was it was more cool. Spock, you know, so it was Spock oh, and yeah. his relationship there, Spock and his relationship with T'Pring. You know so it was kind of centered there, but you know, as far as the main characters, it, it kind of pushed that, that Nurse chapel Spock thing. Spock is also
1: the focus of the whole thing with the pirate captain, too. Really, yeah, that whole section, yep, because she's with him most of the time. Yeah, this is the most Spock heavy
0: episode, I think, that they've had. Probably, um, the uh, uh gosh, there was another piece I was going to mention with spock i think oh oh, spock and nurse chapel the after the whole thing happens and they talk like oh you know we're just going to be in the friend zone or whatever that shirt they did a great job of acting that scene because it made it really seem like neither one of them bought what they were saying it was like yeah okay we need to say this because we can't say oh that was a great kiss and we want to get together but it's like um yeah, it, it's good that we faked our way out of that and and didn't mean anything. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah, <laughs> I believe that. Because um, <laughs> that's a whole other level of acting we don't think about sometimes is the way people can act to undercut their words and make it seem like, okay, I don't really be- my character doesn't really believe what I'm saying right now. And that's got to be a hard style of acting to do, so.
3: Well, and you would probably see that a lot with with Spock, just you know, being torn between his human side yep. and his thing. So you know, he's trying to be logical and everything else, but his his human emotional side he has to try to like yep. ignore that. But you tell that it's still there. When he's trying to.
0: Well, and I I've been seeing online a, a lot of people talking about the three different Spock actors that have played Spock over time, and uh, they were saying how this actor, and I would agree with it. They said that uh, that he was very close to way, the way Nimoy played it. But it's like there's a human being in there somewhere stuck and it comes out in his eyes. So like he'll be talking calmly or whatever, but his eyes looked like they expressing all kinds of emotion. Whereas you didn't get that as much with Nimoy's presentation. He seemed the whole demeanor was like a calm demeanor. And like he had control over what was going on, this one seems like a guy on the edge who's got his, who can put up this look of control. But when you look him in the eyes, you're going, okay, he's got something going on. There's something deeper happening. Especially it seems with Chapel, he really plays that with his eyes. About um, you can see how much he he likes Chapel and enjoys her and things. So yeah,
3: he's got that's because he's got a small head, long neck fetish.
0: Yes. <laughs> We've known that for many years. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm
3: gonna keep plugging that until that's yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I
0: think that not... Or crazy hair because because uh pretty much uh Chapel has had crazy hair ever since the original series. Because that crazy silvery hair that she had originally was nuts, and then of course her frizzy hair in this series is crazy and that's
3: to draw attention away from her small head and head head. and her long neck yes yes i
0: I get that jim thank you
3: thank you although (laughs) a a lot of them uh, i I don't know if it's the cut of the the uniforms or whatever you know or where where they come it's the cut of the uniforms it gives everybody long necks yeah it has like a v in the front or something like that which kind of elongates the neck and makes the neck look longer or something well uh, spock's neck looks incredibly long to me yeah yeah so, I, I think it's just the the actress that plays Nurse Chapel. She doesn't have a very prominent chin. Mm-hmm. So I think I think her her chin is kind of small. And so, to me, that makes her head look small because she doesn't have a, a very prominent chin on the bottom. So it just so it's like the neck, and then you have a small chin, and then the head. And so it. it, it, and
1: it permanently bothers Jim to no end. So make
0: sure that you join us again for <laughs> Jim's analyzing of facial <laughs> characteristics of the various actors. It's exciting, and it's what we want well, to
3: I, do. I, I, I'm sure he's going to spend
0: on his own podcast all about
3: this. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm sure she actually has i'm just all you're this sure stuff, she has a chin well yes she does have yeah because <laughs> <yeah>, her <laughs> mouth goes up and down but
1: um, <laughs> that she means he has a man she's mapped up a chin yeah, <laughs> i
3: am sure it, it's just the uh, the special effects you know the makeup and stuff that they're able to 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 do this stuff and make her look so different
0: are you saying they remove her chin in special effects? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has a pronounced, she has far too pronounced of a chin. Let's get rid of that.
1: All right. She's got a Batman, Batman chin yeah. normally.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. That's, that's looks <laughs> Thanos. That's, 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 that's why
3: they, they have her in such, you know, few few uh, episodes and scenes because they have to spend the, the CGI. Yes. To, uh, <laughs> make it smaller. Sure, sure.
0: All right. Now, rating the episode compared to the other episodes, where do we rate it as? I will say for my rating, part of this gets like a three different parts of the episode, and different parts of the episode get a nine. So I would say it averages out to uh, a 7.5. I was going to give it an eight. Bob? Give it,
3: yeah, I'm going to give it
1: an eight, but three and nine is six divided by two is that or three and yeah it's 12 divided it by two is six so you should have given it a six If you it was evenly
0: that. three and nine i said some of it was three <laughs> some of it was nine and say more of, i'd say three oh, I quarters of it was oh, nine and like a quarter it was three it's, it's weighted i
1: see okay, it broke
3: yeah. it yeah. down I in one minute increments <laughs> <and the> minute <laughs> the i have a whole product.
0: chart i could show you
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: give it an eight. No, I uh listen to you guys. Okay, fine. I'll move my mine up slightly since you guys both said eight and I said seven point five. I'll move mine up to eight point five. So I
1: think, What saved this episode? <laughs> I think what Spock saved this episode. Yes. Without that um, relationship between him and the chapel and yep. to it would have been pretty much to
0: me it's those two plus the fact that they introduced cyborg plus the fact that they had staun in there that that pleased me (laughs) enough that that i'm like okay uh knocks it up a little notch a few notches and then having uh pike have a little fun with the whole cooking thing They, they tied in this cooking thing with him on multiple episodes now that he's a great cook and then uh the way that he uses that to get to the heart of the enemy and have the mutiny is kind of brilliantly fun and funny. And it didn't have, it's where the writers could go. We don't have to make this all serious. We don't have to like, go, Oh, okay. We, how are we going to make this mutiny work and everything? We don't have that much screen time. It's like, okay, let's just make it be that that is cooking is so awesome. And, and, and just play a few beats of, of the pirates questioning each other that you go, ah, they're prime. They're prime for a mutiny. It'll be fine. So. Love it. Great episode. Uh, And then next week, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun, different episode uh, that we can talk about. And uh, that'll be good. See you guys next time.
2: Bye, everybody. Today in the Ready Room, I'm joined by the wonderful Jess Bush, who plays nurse Christine Chapel. We get a look at the design that went into some of the more, shall I say, plunder-prone characters from episode seven. Plus, there's a brand new clip from next week's episode coming your way. I am dead serious about all the Star Trek treasure awaiting you, so heave to and drop anchor in the Ready Room for all that and more. Hey, nerds, I'm Will Wheaton, and this is The Ready Room, your official behind-the-scenes hub for all things Star Trek universe. Today, we're examining episode seven of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, an incredibly delightful episode titled The Serene Squall. There is so much I want to share with you about this episode, but we can't do it without a red alert. If this episode's paradox of the title doesn't ring a bell, then you need to back slowly away from this Ready Room, go stream The Serene Squall, and then come back here to hear all about it. Trust me, you'll be in as much trouble as a ship facing a mutiny if you proceed without watching. Okay, so now we can talk about the space pirates. How much do you love it when Strange New Worlds does a classic Star Trek story like this one? With a switcheroo and everything? Strange New Worlds, it just keeps scratching itches I didn't realize I had, and I This week, not only do we get to talk all about the space pirates, we also get to talk with Jess Bush, who kicked a ton of space pirate ass this week. Afterwards, we'll get an even deeper look at the colorful crew of the Serene Squall, which you probably know is the name of the pirate starship the Enterprise finds itself up against. Unless you didn't heed my red alert and this is news to you. Frankly, that's on you. But before we get to any of that, this week's Space Pirate adventure inspired all of us here in the Ready Room to dig up all the best Space Pirate action Star Trek has seen over the years. And, spoiler alert, there be a lot. Control Room, weigh anchor and hoist the mizzen, me hearties! That's a pirate speak for Engage. So. Risk assessment.
6: There are reports of an unaffiliated vessel called the Serene Squall carrying out raids along the border.
5: Unaffiliated? Pirates. In episode seven of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the USS Enterprise falls prey to a group of pirates headed by a charismatic leader, Captain Angel. The Serene Squall is your ship. And now so is the Enterprise. But their swashbuckling encounter isn't the first time Star Trek has introduced pirates and their ilk into the colorful cast of characters who populate the galaxy.
2: Pirates, sir. Yesterday a Federation freighter was attacked in this quadrant. Its cargo hijacked.
5: In Star Trek The Animated Series, a band of Orion pirates steals the shipment of Dilithium, along with the vital medicine needed to heal Mr. Spock from a deadly disease.
2: This is Captain Kirk. We have your captain as prisoner. Your choice, sir. Prepare to surrender
1: to the Enterprise.
5: Tendi works hard in Star Trek Lower Decks to prove there's more to Orions than thievery.
2: It was hard getting into the Academy. There's still a lot of stigma around Orions. A lot of humans, they grow all thieves and pirates.
5: But she and an undercover mariner have to admit piracy has its advantages when they turn to an Orion pirate outpost for help. If the syndicate catches me talking to- You'll
2: do what I tell you to do, you dumb-faced jerk!
5: In the early days of Starfleet space exploration, Captain Jonathan Archer's crew encounters Nausicaan pirates after they attack a freighter. Though we don't learn much about the pirates, their leader proves reasonable when the freighter's revenge-seeking First Officer pursues them, and Archer asks the Nausicaan Captain to stand down.
2: This is an NX-class starship. Take a good look, because you'll be seeing more of them.
5: Captain Jean-Luc Picard and the Enterprise D crew have a run-in with Ferengi pirates under less than ideal circumstances. Picard, Roe, Guinan, and Keiko are turned into children by an anomaly. After boarding the Enterprise, the Ferengi leader, in classic Ferengi fashion, declares the Enterprise a loss and thereby subject to the Ferengi salvage code. His aim is to use the Enterprise's crew as slave labor and sell the Enterprise to the Romulans for profit. I believe you're in my chair. In another episode, the Enterprise crew is investigating the presumed death of Captain Picard when Commander Riker is kidnapped by a group of Romulan-led mercenaries stealing ancient artifacts around the galaxy. The group's goals proved to be split, however, when it's revealed that the so-called Romulan is really a Vulcan extremist plotting to reassemble a mythological telepathic weapon. Go ahead, Captain. Pick up the phaser. See what good it will do. And no list of Star Trek's sedious space marauders would be complete without mention of Harry Mudd. You should refer to me as Mudd the First. Ruler of this entire sovereign planet. While not technically a pirate, Mudd's hijinks provide consternation aplenty for both Kirk's Enterprise and the Discovery crew.
6: You are mad.
5: No, I'm Mudd. Whatever their motives or means, pirates and mercenaries keep Starfleet's best on their toes whenever they raise their sails in the Star Trek universe.
1: Arg, me mates. If we ever catch Angel, we should make them walk to playing karaoke.
6: Please stop.
2: From the ready room on the Enterprise, I am now joined by Jess Bush, who plays Nurse Christine Chapel on Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Jess, thank you for coming from your ready room to Hello. my ready room. It's awesome to see
7: you. Oh. Awesome to see you too. Thank you so much for having me in your ready room. Uh,
2: so before we really get started, just like on behalf of Legacy Star Trek, I would like to welcome you officially to the Star Trek universe that you've been in for a very long time. Uh, I guess this is more for me than it is for you. Um, welcome, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much, here. thank you. How are you finding our interesting little shared universe?
7: It has been completely life changing honestly when i first got the call i was like super daunted because of the the sheer size and the enormity of of star trek yeah but i very quickly realized that it is just that as a family and from the moment that i booked the role i had inbox messages from other actors from different star trek shows from fans from um from everyone from different sides of the production just like totally welcoming me, and this gig for me has been so new and unknown in so many ways, and I felt nothing but totally welcome and embraced by everybody in the Star Trek family, so it feels like a really special thing to have landed here after being shot out of a cannon. You <laughs> know? It's, it's, um, it's special.
2: You have this amazing opportunity. Yeah, I'm taking this character that exists that's beloved, I get to interpret her a little bit, I get to build on her a little bit, how do you not lose yourself in just being so intimidated by that? How, how did you, I, I would have been paralyzed. Yeah. How, how did, t- talk to me about going through that whole process.
7: Well, I think I was in this kind of, maybe um, fortunate position where before booking the role, I was aware of Star Trek, but I wasn't, I wasn't fully aware of its cultural impact. I wasn't really across how significant mm-hmm it was until I really got introduced to the world through the job and so I didn't exactly find it intimidating I I find it a really interesting creative challenge and I feel like I've been nothing but supported by the crew and and the cast and the writers and um, it's been a very supportive journey where any questions that I've had have been embraced and answered really openly and yeah, I feel like maybe the intimidation factor came after I'd already started, when I started to really conceive of like how significant she was. And, um, but from the beginning, it, 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 I think I had a kind of um, lucky ignorance to the fact, perhaps.
2: What I am hearing from you is you're aware of Star Trek, but not intimidated by Star Trek, which I think is, is really interesting and, and, and lets you approach this character and everything this world means from a position of I am bringing my vision of this character to this world and it sounds to me like you are so supported by everyone around you that you have the freedom and the confidence to just be her. Yeah. Which is so perfect for creating a memorable character who really holds her own in uh, among you know we always talk about whoever's on the enterprise is the best of everything
7: <laughs> yeah, so yeah.
2: like you are like right there right there with them is that is that a fair assessment of of what you just said
7: absolutely absolutely i think there was a great balance of um being aware enough to understand the gravity of the situation but being it being new enough to not be too restricted by
2: nerves Now, I remember really loving Majel's Nurse Chapel, but not feeling like I knew her at all. I recall feeling like, um, oh, she's an interesting character, but I don't know much more about her than she's a nurse in sickbay and she clearly has a thing for Spock. Yeah. (laughs) This episode... (laughs) Mm-hmm. did this thing that I absolutely loved for your Nurse Chapel. And and it's already, I feel like we're only four episodes in, and I already know your Nurse Chapel so much more extensively mm-hmm. than, than I ever knew Nurse Chapel from, from TOS. So this episode, it does this incredibly fantastic job of showing and not telling mm-hmm. that Nurse Chapel is this super badass, and I am speaking yeah. specifically <laughs> of using a hypo spray as a weapon. Please
6: turn around. Don't hurt me. I'm, I'm just a nurse.
7: Drop your weapons. I
6: don't have any. Like I said, nurse. Don't move.
2: I see her alone I just feel like this girl's got it she's gonna take care of shit like I just talk to me about that I love it
7: <laughs> yeah I, I loved it too I love I love where the writers what the writers have created for her in this episode and um, I think that it like really brings out this kind of you know she maybe not all she doesn't always know exactly what she's doing but she's brave about it and she's yeah. scrappy and she'll figure it out yeah you know I love Um, you know, when she encounters the pirates and she kind of plays to like, Oh, but I'm just a little girl. Like, what will I ever do? And like, meanwhile, she's like, the cogs are turning. She's like, (laughs) um, and you know, even if she, even if she's just like scared out of her wits, she's going to just do what she can. And, um, yeah, I love that element to her. Like she's kind of, she can be scrappy, she's fallible, but she's got your back if she can at all, handle it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I am feeling like she is a magnificent role model for young women. I feel like there is just this confidence in her oh, that's and lovely. this yeah. absolute refusal to just kind of like sit down and be quiet, right? Like, I absolutely love that she does all these things and then she reminds, and I, I've seen the whole season, so I don't know if we've seen these moments yet, but there are moments in her development where she's like, listen, I'm, I'm a nurse and my job is to be a nurse, but I have this idea that is based on just my basic intelligence, mm-hmm. and I would love to bring it to the table. And I I, I really enjoy that aspect of, of her. Uh, do you want to speak about that at all?
7: Yeah, see, I, I really like that aspect of Chapel as well, but I also think on the role model aspect um, that you were speaking about, what I think that she also brings as a role model is, she also knows that she hasn't got everything under control. And <sighs> she, You know, like there's a fallibility to her that she's like, okay with. She's not pretending to be perfect and I think that she embraces her somewhat goofiness sometimes and also like really wants to bring that out in other people. I think that she's really no bullshit, pardon my French. Yeah. And she really wants that for other people too. Like she just wants people to be honest about who they are and like be like, that's cool, you know, like that's fine. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to be perfect all the time. A significant
2: aspect of Majel's Nurse Chapel was her extremely unrequited crush on Spock. This is also a significant aspect of your Nurse Chapel. It is also a significant aspect of my existence uh, as a person who has an extremely unrequited crush on Spock. (laughs) At the end of this episode, Nurse Chapel tells Spock, dude, I get it, there's nothing between us.
6: Spock.
7: Like I said earlier, I like Vulcans. I know where I stand with you. You're an honest man. You're not the guy who would chase after another
6: woman while you have a girlfriend. So, I know for certain there's no feelings between us. (laughs) All of us in the
2: audience are like, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. So talk to me about that relationship Um, And I'm Mm -hmm. particularly interested in those moments where he comes to her for relationship advice. We know how she feels about him. Just talk about how complicated that is.
7: When Chapel first comes across Spock, I don't, like, she's just a flirty person. That's how she interacts with people. And I think she's interested in him um, as a science subject as well, you know, like, as he's a hybrid. And that's really interesting. And he's also kind of a hot snack. So she's like... Bingo! This is awesome. Yeah, but it doesn't really. She doesn't really see beyond that, you know. Like it's it's just kind of like I know how to get under this guy's skin. This is fun. He's hot. Like let's talk. But I think it kind of catches her off guard when this beautiful friendship develops between mm-hmm. them. And um, you know, I think that one thing about Chapel is that she's been through a bit in the way of human relationships in the past, and so she's a bit bruised in that respect, mm-hmm. and she finds it hard to trust people really. She keeps people at a distance. She has like one night stands. She like plays around like that, but doesn't really get involved. And I think Spock's candor and his honesty really disarm her and make her feel really safe. And Spock is coming to terms with his humanness, his humanity. And she's really, she really revels in, that, in her humanity. So she can kind of offer guidance in that respect and so this beautiful like symbiotic friendship it's really precious and really earnest kind of develops and so i think it kind of from chapel's point of view starts to kind of get confusing in that respect where she's like oh no i don't want anything to do with this guy but oh he's actually making me feel really safe i don't but also he's engaged and oh this is like this is weird how does this work professionally she's got a really strong moral compass as well she knows he's in a relationship yeah and so she's like we're not doing this like you know we're not don't make it, don't make this hard. Don't yeah. make it messy. Let's just, you know. So I think she just kind of keeps herself, her feelings under control and tells Spock to keep his under control because it's just not going to work.
2: That is all so much more interesting and, and, and so much more compelling than Spock's hot... Right, Which I think is kind of like uh the sort of like surface level idea that we could get stuck in. We could just go no further than that <laughs> and, and and I and it's so interesting to me to hear you discuss the deeper uh more psychological experiences for all of that let's uh, let's shift gears a, a little bit. I want to talk about Jesse James Keitel. yes, she was so. Just riveting. I could not take my eyes off of her. She's amazing. Um, A space pirate driven by love is, like, just such an incredible (laughs) sci-fi trope and such a great Star Trek character. So, like, I am really hoping this is not the last we've seen of Angel. Would you talk a little bit about working with her?
7: Oh, for sure. Jessie's just so good at what she does and just owned Angel fearlessly from the moment that she came on set. And I think that can be sometimes daunting when you're a guest star coming into an established cast. Yeah, and sure. A show that's already going, you know? And, and she just owned it, like embodied it fully. And like, and she was, and, and also for such a dynamic character that's so present, she kind of carried the whole episode, you know, like it was about her. I was just in such admiration of that confidence and that professionalism. And she's just great to work with on and off screen and just kind of fit in really well. So I don't know, at the end of the episode, we're like, you're coming back, right? Yeah, we miss her. We miss her.
2: Now, for, for us in the audience, we've been with your characters for just a few episodes, not yet a full season, but mm-hmm. for, for all of you as a cast, you've been together for well over a year now. Um, is there anything that you discovered between then and mm-hmm. now about Christine about her relationship to the other uh, to the other characters are there things that you have discovered things of growth that have happened that you cannot wait for the audience to see in season 2
7: Yeah, absolutely. I think Chapel has this bravado about her. She seems really confident and like she's taking everything with a pinch of salt. Mhm but there's a very vulnerable little girl inside. I think that there's, there's an interesting development there for her in, in uncovering that and dealing with that being out. <laughs> um, or call, like that being called out. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I also really, I just, I have been loving discovering Chapel's relationship with Mbenga. Yeah. I think that what happens with that friendship is just, wow. It's been so joyous to explore from my end. Um, And so I hope that it's enjoyed likewise by the audience.
2: I I am realizing how deeply I care about Christine Chappell um, and how I just want the best for her. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And uh, I love feeling that way about a character on a TV show that I love. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, so thank you for for providing that for, for all oh, of us in the audience. Well, thank you. Um, and Jess, thank you for just making time to join <laughs> us in the ready room today.
7: My pleasure, absolutely. Thanks so much. We all have a great day. It's been awesome to chat.
2: Captain Pike and number one convinced the Serene Squall crew to mutiny, which Starfleet Captain was once convicted of mutiny. A Captain Kirk. B, Captain Janeway, C, Captain Burnham, or D, Captain Freeman? Don't boldly go anywhere, stay tuned for the answer. Watching the Enterprise crew lure in and outsmart the space pirates of the serene squall was a swashbuckling good time. So we went behind the scenes to see what exactly went into the crafting of the squall.
6: Is this thing on? I could get used to this. Sup, nerds, this is Jesse James Keitel, also known as Pirate Extraordinaire Angel. In this week's episode, I stole the ship, I stole the scene, and now I'm stealing the show. We were going to take a look at the Serene Squall and her crew today, but let's be real. There's only one person you came here for. Sorry, not sorry, Will, but this week we will actually be talking about yours truly in an exclusive Ready Room Takeover interview with Bernadette Croft, the incredible designer behind Angel's looks. And if we have time, I guess we can maybe talk about some of the other looks too. Control room, hit it. All right, I'm here with Bernadette Croft. Bernadette, Angel has a very distinct look that is very different from all of the other Strange New World characters, both main and guest. You know, it's got this very Mad Max vibe to it. There's a lot of textures at play. Okay, can you tell me about, like, what went into this look? Like, where did you pull your inspiration from?
4: Absolutely, Mad Max is the best um, reference. Um, the producers actually mentioned that, and they were like, we want this Mad Max, not Coachella. So we definitely wanted to like bring that into like our aesthetic.
6: Not Coachella.
4: (laughs) I think Aspen is very different from Angel. Mm. So when I did my mood boards, for instance, the Aspen character was a bit more like earthy, organic, um, they're a traveler, whereas Angel is just like cutting edge, sleek, knows what they want and is going to get it.
6: Yeah, ready ready to, to take them down. Absolutely. Okay, so now, speaking of that first look, tell me about it. That olive green jacket was such a moment.
4: When we first meet Aspen, um, they're at the at Pike's dinner. And so we wanted to kind of portray a character that's edgy and interesting, maybe that they've done some travel, um, they had some cool earrings. Uh, the, the jacket was made from scratch, from leather, some brocade, and we matched to some pants that we purchased online um so but we to create like a, a casual cool look for this non-binary counselor
6: humanitarian well listen i love mesh i okay. always love a mesh moment we got a lot of it why so much you know how cold it is in space right <laughs> no,
4: okay. it's cold in space but it's space mesh so like there's properties to like cool the body heat the body like Depending on your mood, like I'm sure the mesh takes note. I I feel like the mesh it, it's space mesh.
6: It's space mesh. It was it was it was also such such a moment. I remember when you first showed me the mood board and that was one of the options, I gasped. I was like, That one, that one, that one, please. I
4: know. So with, with mood boards, um essentially when we're creating a character, we have to make sure producers, directors and the actor are all on the, the same page and it was an incredible moment when the producer, director, and actor chose the same image. So basically (laughs) the board had the spectrum. It was just like very safe, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like a slick jumpsuit and then into something a little bit more risque. So I am so pumped that everyone chose the same thing and that we got to um, highlight that in your character
6: how major
4: absolutely i was just so pumped that they chose that because often um, with characters it, c- it can be more of the safe option but like everyone wanted that jumpsuit so yeah it was just like perfect
6: okay so angel may have access to a lethal phaser or two and that absolutely jaw-dropping catsuit tell me about the jewelry which is just as lethal and like this like cyberpunk vibe.
4: Yeah. Uh, so Chris Havana is the jeweler for those um, amazing ear cuffs and the the rings. Um, they have like this alien quality that I just think was so edgy and cool.
6: Sharp jewelry with a mesh jumpsuit seems like a little bit of a deadly combo. Just a
4: question for you, Jesse. What was okay. the, the couches on the side of your boots? There was it. Were, were they snacks? Like what were they in those little? <laughs>
6: Um, I thought I could fit my microphone in them, but I could not. Um, I will say, miking that jumpsuit was quite the challenge.
4: Uh, I thought it was the house keys to the, the Serene Squall.
6: Oh, no, the, the key to the Serene Squall is the, my little necklace. Oh my um,
4: God, moment.
6: Yeah, just whoop, bye. Bye,
4: bye. And, bye. And, like, and that cool effect, like, no big deal.
6: See you later. All right, listen, I can talk about me all day, every day. But enough <laughs> of that, I guess. You have done some absolutely beautiful work on the rest of the crew of the Enterprise. Tell me about it. Yeah,
4: I mean, your, your episode is iconic. I'm going to say that. Um, a lot of the pirates um, do have a very um, a cool, edgy look. Um, I mentioned Galari before. Um, Galari was the shoulder mantle on Remy. So that Scottish punk kind of like character with all that, that mane of hair. Mm-hmm. Another one of the um, pirates, we did like this burgundy jumpsuit. We did like this patchwork vibe. We included not just like burgundy fabric, but also like red shirt fabric so she's like battled and like taken scalps she's
6: she's wearing the flesh of her foes
4: exactly so we we included that in her jumpsuit it's just these like little um details that we hope fans pick up on um it was incredible episode the pirate episode like space pirates
6: say no more sign me up
4: they ain't no more, like literally the costume department was losing their mind <laughs> and it's just like every character we just loved, they were dirty, they were grimy, they were edgy, they were risk takers.
6: But, but also so fashionable. They were so everything, every pirate was so chic even when they were covered in space grime. Uh, yeah, you saw the show.
4: What can we say?
6: On that note Bernadette, it was so great having you here. By the way, where is Will? Tied up in the closet. Anyway, thank you for being a guest on my show. I hope you had a great time. I would say live long and prosper, but I don't really care if you do. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. A look behind the brilliant style served by the one and only Angel. Hmm. All right, I'm bored of this nerdery. Back to you, Wesley.
2: Captain Pike and convinced the saloon's crew to mutiny. Which Starfleet captain was once convicted of mutiny? Captain Kirk, Captain Janeway, Captain Burnham, or Captain Freeman? And the answer is Captain Burnham. While serving as first officer on the USS Shenzhou, Burnham disobeys Captain Philippa Georgiou during the Battle of the Binary Stars, attempting to fire first on the Klingon forces. She pleads guilty to charges of mutiny and is sentenced to life imprisonment. With Star Trek Strange New Worlds taking us on such vastly different adventures each episode, I feel like we have even less of an idea of what might be in store from week to week than on other Star Trek shows. Luckily, I have an exclusive clip that will shed a little light on what's coming up. And if you're anything like me, I think you're going to love it. Ortegas, get us out of here.
0: Kissing this nebula goodbye, take
3: two. Bridge to Dr. Mbenga, emergency. Lieutenant Ortega is injured.
1: On my way, Captain. Bridge.
2: week yet? How about now? Ugh, this is so much easier when I can travel through all of space and time. Well, I guess we're just going to have to wait together. My friends, my fellow nerds, thank you so much for watching The Ready Room this week. You might wonder if I ever get tired of doing this, and I am here to tell you, I do not. This is a privilege. Next week, I'll be sitting down with Babs Alusa Mokun and Melissa Navia to delve deeper into Episode Eight. I've seen Episode Eight, and it might just be an all-time high. So, definitely join us in the Ready Room next time, or you will seriously be missing out. Until then, I'm Will. Live long and prosper. Awesome.